Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Cinemantics, the podcast about movies good and bad. Mostly bad. I am your host, Nick Melton, and with me this evening is Mr. Greg Green. Hey, guys. How's it going? Yes. Uh, this is an interesting episode because it is the first time we have veered off into Japanese film of the modern era on this show. And this movie is actually one that I've been wanting to do for a while. I've just never gotten around to watching it. Uh, and having watched it, uh, I think both of us can say that it left us kind of speechless. I, yes, speechless, speechless is the word. Is the good word. <laughs> Very good word um, here. This is a movie from 2000 by a director named uh, Ryuhei Kitamura, and it is called Versus. <laughs> and, um, gosh, where it's, to go with this? I... I'm still reeling from the. How the about whole initial movie. impressions? Initial impression is, wow, just like, and not even wow. I, I almost feel like if I had, if I had ninjas at my disposal, the disposal, I could make this film in my backyard. I almost feel like that's the case. It does have sort of a backyard vibe, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's most of the film, all of the film is filmed inside a wooded area. It's some forest. I get the impression and, they didn't have much of a budget on this movie. And, I don't know, it's just, it's so convoluted and and just ridiculous. And as I said this already um, to you. But I said every every time you feel like you're starting to understand the film, it just it, or it's the film starts to get good. It, it does have good moments. It, it has good moments. It's yeah. not without merit. It no. is not without merit. I but, don't hate this movie. It's just I come I came out of it feeling very like dis- I didn't even disoriented and dis- yeah. disoriented and, and vaguely disappointed. Yeah, because mm-hmm. uh, the background on this is I, I used to listen to uh, well I still listen to it. Um, a podcast called The Greatest Movie Ever, uh, which is run by a guy down in Florida named uh, Paul Chapman, and he mentioned it offhand in, a, in, a, in an episode of his. I can't remember what it was because it was an offhand mention. Probably one of his ongoing Godzilla movie reviews. But anyway, I looked it up and it was like, a Japanese gangster zombie ninja movie? Ninja? I'm on board. So I got my hands on it, and it's been floating around for months and months, and I haven't watched it. And uh, when Greg came over, I was like, let's do a podcast. So we picked this movie. I, I will say that the movie we had we had scheduled for the podcast was The Man Who Fell to Earth. And now we I will do it at some point. I was, yeah, I was going to say, we have to do that because I feel like that would be a good movie podcast. A good movie podcast. <laughs> I don't know. I think this one will, will uh, result in some interesting moments. Um, mm-hmm. Well, what is this movie about? There's a riddle for you, because I don't know. I think I think if I were to try and say this movie is about, I think it's about the the repetitiveness of life, the cycle, if you will. I don't think they had such a deep philosophical I, meaning. I don't think they did. I think that's what came across, maybe, to me. I don't think that was the intention. The movie is about this guy who... <laughs> A nameless guy. Uh, it, it's kind of confusing because if you look at the cast list on Wikipedia, I'm going to go there. I apologize for the click. Uh, if you go to Wikipedia, none of the characters in the movie have names. Actual names. Actual I mean, names. One is Prisoner. The the main character yeah. is uh, Prisoner KSC2-303, which is not a real prisoner not, number in any sense of the word. Not really, but um, it's... it's Officially a name that you can give someone. We don't know why he's a prisoner, 
they say in the subtitles that he's a criminal for committing quote unquote disturbing crimes, but they yeah. don't tell us what these crimes are. So he comes in. This movie is intentionally vague and like to its detriment, to, to the point of annoyance, incomprehensible in places. Yes, he comes into this forest. And he's with a fellow prisoner who we only rarely see after he, these opening he, scenes. He, he gets killed off and becomes a zombie and stumbles through the frame several times through the Looking sh- like through a zombie. Being a zombie. Anyway, these gangsters come up. They drive up in, in, a, in a car that we thought was a Volvo, but is actually a Mercedes. So clearly they picked a really stylish Mercedes. Um, <laughs> they come out and they all glower for a while and then they all go into the woods God, and it turns and then, out no, there no, are no. zombies in the woods. Right, but during that time there's a whole like, okay, first of all, this movie is far too long. We it watched, is... uh, okay, to, to, we'll just talk about this right now. Yeah. We watched The Ultimate Versus, which was a um, version of the movie made four years later in 2004. They went back into the woods and filmed new scenes to flesh yeah. out the movie. I can only imagine how incomprehensible it was before this. Well, one has to wonder what scenes they actually filmed four years um, later. It said it, it only says they filmed new scenes plot? to further realize Kitamura's vision of the film, namely to bring a fuller version of the film that was limited by budget, time, and technology. Um, so I think it, I think it's more of fighting, not right. more well, of it, plot. It says here the seventy-five percent of the film featured some sort of reworking, be it color correction, new music, added action sequences, or full scene replacement. The result is a fuller story and character development with added effects such as more blood in certain scenes, sparks during sword fights, and so on. So the first movie that was shown has even has less story, even and less story, and I would not be able to understand it one one bit. I'm sure there's no character development in the, in the Ultimate Versus as it is. There's, I mean, like, there's literally you don't. You you don't care about any of these characters necessarily. You there's no there's no humanizing of any of these things. It's just it's two it's the battle between two and I put these in air quotes ultimate forces. Force of good, force of evil, I think, and, and it's just been humanized, if you will. Well, it's been it doesn't do a very good human, job on it. Yeah. Because the good guy is one of those cryptic silent types who says he's a feminist but then knocks the woman out whenever she gets annoying. By the way, we have to stop right there and talk about the fucking translation that they put for subtitles. It was we, horrific. Yeah, we saw a terrible translation. Horrific. Multiple grammatical errors, spelling errors. Um, at one point they say ominous several times and I came to the realization um, I did study uh, Spanish and linguistics for, for a time when I was at school and I realized that if I were a lazy translator, I would have probably taken the nuances in the language and turned them into the same word over and over and over again. And it get, it's really repetitive. Um, but I don't think... Though we don't, we're not sure that that's necessarily... In the translator's defense, yeah. I don't think this movie needs to be known for dialogue. Because there isn't much <laughs> True. Reason. There's really not. One guy so, is... One guy... Well, the prisoner is the good guy. The prisoner is the good guy. He's the stoic silent type who's supposed to be like... I guess boyishly handsome, although he just comes off looking kind of like a punk. Yeah, he, he's punkish, and punk-ish-y. and then he he changes and he wears that like leather coat, the um, leather duster, which is and ridiculous. leather pants, um, which we don't know where those came from because he first shows up wearing a prisoner jumpsuit. So yeah. maybe we, our maybe best theory the was jumpsuit? that they were under the jumpsuit, which, which makes no fantastic. sense. But I guess it makes no less sense than the rest of this movie. Anyway, then there's this guy credited as the man. In, in the in the cast list by uh, the prisoner is played by Tak Sakaguchi 
for those of you who know who that might be. Uh, the man is Hideo Sakaki, and he's the villain. Yeah. And you can't really tell he's the villain except that he's not the main character. They dress, like, very similarly, and they're both, like, power overwhelming, you know. Right. We neglected the part where the actual very, very beginning of the film, very, very, very beginning of the film, that is the whole, for the 666 portals and... Well, that's because that makes no sense and has no relevance to the movie. It has very little... The movie... They they try and tie it together. You know what this movie is? This movie is an action movie filtered through that really quasi-mysticism that runs through a lot of bad anime. It's... It's... Either a a magic a film about magic and mysticism that is waylaid by all of the fighting, or it is a fighting movie, fighting that, is movie by all the, that is waylaid by all the magic. By all the I magic. really couldn't tell you which is which because it's about an even split, and they should have just made two separate films. Yeah, but I mean, I it's think much more I think if I had to pick, I would say it's more of an action movie than a than a magic movie. Because the because the mo- the most magic really, there's a lot of like talk about it, fancy talk about blood of resurrection and the forest of resurrection. Whatever the fuck any of and that the means. Zombies. There's zombies. Yeah, zombie magic. The zombie magic is only at the like the first thirty minutes of the movie. And then it's just the two zombies never come back ever. Like the zombies come up and everybody watching the movie is like, holy fuck, zombies! Really? That's awesome! And they're fighting zombies. Yeah. And the zombies. I have didn't guns. know that there were zombies. And and the very beginning where they have a ten minute conversation and then ten minutes of silence of them just staring at each other in a what I could only assume there's at one point a Mexican standoff. There's, there's I don't several know, Mexican standoffs. Several during this movie, but uh, the at one point one of the people dies. Um, in the Mexican standoff, and then comes back to life. And I did not know this previously because I, I, I don't think you told me much more about it than just no, it's a I movie. Left out the zombie part. You definitely yeah. left out the zombie part, and I went zombies. <laughs> it added <laughs> a, a very interesting twist to the movie, and it would have been interesting if they kept that going, yeah. but they didn't. And there was that part at the and towards the end where this dude gets shot, and you're like, he's going to come back as a zombie, and that's how he's going to be able to defeat the bad guy because he can't die. No, they they didn't even bring it back then. They just sort of abandoned the whole zombie thing, and then just sort of tossed yeah. it off as, oh, that's just a small sample of the power of this forest. Yeah. This it's... forest that looks like any forest you could find anywhere. It ha- like the, like Except for... Except the the for location someone... shooting... Yeah. They didn't find a striking-looking forest for this movie. Like, yeah. it just looked like a forest. Like, I suppose you could say that's realistic, but on the other hand, don't you want to, like, it, big majestic trees and it have personality and... as well if it's so powerful powerful and part of the, the film. forest is just as drab as everything else in this movie God. Uh, and the oh the okay so there is there's a point to the whole portals though because at one point they start switching between the forest on one side of the portal and the forest on the other. Do they, though? As far as I can tell, that's we, what they've been we, saying. That's what, I mean, they... We, we should probably explain the portals. At the very the beginning portals. of the movie, there's a little text box that says that there are 666 magic portals in Japan or, or on the globe or whatever. Around the world, I think. And number 444 is the is the Forest of Resurrection. And they don't yeah. really explain what that means, nor do they really explain what it means throughout the rest of the movie. They Other try. than zombies, the, but uh, what really I think gets the me villain... is that the forest. The, sorry, the forest of resurrection is only the forest of resurrection when that girl's there. So really, that girl is the resurrection. Ah, yes, the girl of the uh, forest n- named the girl in the cast list, played by Chieko Misaka, 
No names. You guys, that's not No names. That makes pleasant. it very hard to figure out who's who. It's not pleasant. Um, she, it, out of all the performances in this movie, I would say she gives arguably the worst. What would you say? I don't know that? that you could say that anyone gives a performance in this movie other than... Well... Other than the guy who you're going to say. Other than the say. guy. We, we'll get there. The guy there's, with the butterfly the, There's the prisoner and there's the man. All they're really required to do in the script is look tough. And beat each other and up. And beat each other up. So Several times. So under those guidelines, sure, they give fine performances. They're yeah. just the stoic good guy and the, and the villain that is less compelling than his henchman. And boy, does he have a compelling henchman. Uh, uh, this is... Uh, in, in the cast list on um, on Wikipedia, he's credited as Yakuza leader with butterfly knife. Um, he's played by a guy named Kenji Matsuda, and he is by far the most interesting character in this he movie. He kept us watching. He kept us watching. We were, but he, we were at the point of almost turning it off, and he's... And he just, just came back. Came back, yeah. and See, we the like, thing yes! with, The thing with this guy is, he when he first shows up, he's just a henchman, and he's just like leaning against a car, but he has these... Really eccentric mannerisms, like he's bugging his eyes out and sticking out his tongue and doing weird hand movements and making weird ah noises. I mean, we at one point said Johnny Depp, but that's, yeah. that was my my idea. Was, my comparison was like he's basically a Japanese Johnny Depp. Yeah. He, remind, he looks kind of like Johnny Depp. I could imagine Johnny Depp playing such a crazy role. I don't know that he particularly looks like Johnny well, Depp, but Japanese, he definitely but he had a deafness <laughs> about him. He, had, he definitely had a deafness, a depth, an air of Johnny Depp, an air of Johnny Depp. Anyway, the. The leader of the gang that he's with dies. He turns into a zombie. And he takes over. And you're like, yes, finally a compelling villain. Yeah. No. Then enters the man. And the Yakuza leader with the butterfly knife goes on the back burner. Yeah. And this is what I, this is what we were saying. It gets good. And then it goes back to being bad. for set. Like it, it, You see it and you're like, oh, it's going to get good. It's going to get good. This guy's the head now. And he's going to be the bad guy. Awesome. Because he's so crazy that you can't so predict what he's going to do. Yeah. But then it sets things back on the back burner that were really cool and you're like well fuck yeah basically um we were talking about before we kind of got sidetracked the whole force switching between this side and right. the other side sorry Do, did we ever really work out whether that's actually happening or if that was just a, a really bad like change of tint or something just well, to change the mood of the audience um I know I honestly think that the cause at one point the uh, color temperature is I think in real world, and I put that back in air quotes, um, is the like orangey color, the normally colored world, and then blue at the 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 very cold color temperature. Of the blue world is is the other world. I don't think I don't, that's true because give, the whole the I, plot, as best as I could figure out, was the man wants the girl so he can use her blood to open the portal to the mm-hmm. other side. If it's that much trouble to open the portal, then how are how they, can, how are they just jumping back and forth? Well, I think what it is is that they can jump between the two, but they can't open it up so that all of the the zombies can. I think they're, he's trying to release it out on the entire world so that zombies are everywhere. That's the best I can say, given what is ostensibly the most convoluted film I've ever seen. Want to know something terrifying? What? In 2008, around the release of his American debut, Midnight Meat Train, director Ryuhei Kitamura began mentioning a possible American remake of Versus. Oh, goodness. Subsequent rumors suggest that the film will take place during the same time period as the original film at one of the 666 portals to the other side located in the United States. 
As of yet, no more specific details have been made public. The film is slated for a 2010 release. Well, we're already in July of 2010, and, and nothing yet. So slated, I like that. It's not going to. Hopefully, happen. we'll never see one. I don't know that I, I, I would like to see it in English, in that I might understand it. A little bit better? A monicum more. <laughs> like Do you just... suspect that perhaps as American viewers we didn't get what Japanese audiences might have got out of it? No, because here's the thing. This was the most American Japanese film I've ever seen. We were talking about this during the thing. It was Sam Raimi and John Woo made this yeah, film. Yeah, there was a lot of Sam Raimi's, like the, the Raimi cam from and, Evil Dead. And Matrix stuff in it as well. Like, I mean, this film, that's another thing. It, it's kind of neat, actually, the way that they kind of homage to um, various directors that you obviously realize that he is amazingly in love with right now. Um, but, like, they definitely do Raimi cam. They do um, they do several, like, spin-arounds and close-ups on guns that John Woo would do. And um, at you one point... You were talking about you liked the uh, cinematography. The cinematography... Yeah. The cinematography in this film is it's, actually... Um, by a guy named Takumi Furura. Furuya. 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 Takumi Furuya. Given that they had such a shitty landscape to work with, the majority of the film is probably shot on Steadicam, which is always fun. Um, but there's so there's there's a lot of camera work being done. And most of the camera work tends to produce a, a nice image for what we've got to work with, you know? Um, it's nothing if not stylish. It's or, very stylized. And when it's not stylized, it's trying to be stylized. Yeah, the whole time it's canted angles and trying to make things I don't think there's a single static shot in the whole movie. Maybe a few. There, I, I tend to recall one specific static shot that was just a shot of... Uh, that It was a canted angle as if the camera was like laying on the ground on its side a little bit. Uh, and people are running towards it. And you're like, oh, it's canted angle. By the way, I feel like I should take this opportunity to point out that we're drinking coffee right now. Fantastic coffee. Kenyan coffee. Nice. So the point of that, however, being that this action movie made us want coffee. This action movie was the only action movie either of us have ever seen that has made us want to go to sleep afterwards. That can't be good. That's um, that's not showing anything good here. So. Why do you think that is? Do you Because we've been talking about how stylized it was. Do you think that... It was poorly choreographed, or... I wouldn't say it was particularly poorly choreographed. I wouldn't well, say what that... What was it about it that made us sleepy, do you think? I would say that the intensely long pauses where nothing happens probably yeah, had something bad. to do with it. Um, I would also say that while it is fairly well choreographed, it is also something that we are all familiar with, the, that sort of choreography. It's right. very kung fu movie choreography with spinny people on their... Like, the sideways rolling in the air move that happened like five times in that film mm. and happens in every Jackie Chan film you've ever seen. Do you think perhaps, um, since this film was released in 2000, we're just looking at it from jaded eyes? Do you think maybe when it was released it might have appeared fresher? I think I would have been younger and it probably would have enjoyed it a little bit more been had more I not yeah. been more impressed with it. Yes. When did yeah. The Matrix come out? Do you remember? I, oh, I could not remember that. Um, we can gonna, look it up. We're going to look that up. As this uh, dog barks mindlessly in the background. Yeah. Hopefully the microphone's not picking up too much of that. One year before. One year before. So, really, that made... Because they do a few things that are that are very Matrixy. Like, yeah. 
they they have one part where they're they're they are frozen and the camera's spinning around them. That was really that they did that far too many times. But still, it was very like I feel he watched the Matrix and decided to make his own <laughs> in several Matrix ways with the zombies and gangsters. With zombies and gangsters, which really sounds like a fantastic idea. But yeah, but so it didn't come executed. out so well. Um, I think our conversation is going to be about as jumbled as that movie was. While I'm thinking of it, if we're just going to jump from topic to topic, what the hell was that ending? Oh, the ending where it jumps forward 99 99 years. Um, I should mention that, I don't know if this is actually part of the movie or just the version we got our hands on, but the little title that says 99 years later is in English, and I don't know why. And there's no, like, it's not like a translation above something that's in Japanese, it's just in English. It's just in English, but because... the thing, what's really interesting, and the reason why it would, I would say, might actually have been written 99 years later in English is that there's that whole, like, where he's wearing the jumpsuit and it says Lawbreaker in English on it. And I'm wondering, do all Japanese people know English that well? I do not know. Is that know. a... I, I feel like that would be a, a vast generalization. Um, maybe. Speaking of which, we've forgotten characters that I feel like need mention. What characters? There weren't any. The no. cop and the dude in the car. Oh, God, that fucking cop. I didn't understand what the point was. Okay, well, here's what you need to know about the cop before we get back to the ending. Well, I'm just First of all, I, yeah, them. well, I just want to say oh, Prisoner yes. KSC... So he was a prisoner, he escaped, and the side story to this already convoluted story is... There's a cop chasing him. And he also cuts off the hand of the guy he's attached to. Well, the guy... It's really weird, because the first time you see the prisoner, he's with the other prisoner, and I think it's the other prisoner who has a pair of handcuffs on, and through one of the handcuffs is a human hand. Yeah. We don't know why he didn't remove the hand before. Either it's really recent or he just never noticed. But how would you not notice a human hand dangling That's from That's dangling from, the, from handcuffs. And he does eventually get rid of it. So yeah. it strikes me that maybe he just didn't notice, but it doesn't speak well for him. Anyway. He doesn't last very long he's anyway, being so. He doesn't last very long anyway, so it doesn't matter. Anyway, this cop comes in. Not mm-hmm. in a cop car. He's just there with the dude whose hand has gone. And he claims that he trained at FBI headquarters in Langley, so he's an expert at profiling. He's an expert at profiling? By the way, they made a point... They made a point of the profiling, and he never used this skill at all in the movie. And He's tracking, in there for, like, a grand total of five minutes. Like... Like, well, maybe, like, maybe ten minutes in top. Ten uh, minutes no, tops, because there's that whole, like, fight scene there's with whole, the other a, lady. A random fight scene. And... He mentions he's a very good tracker because he grew up in Yellowstone Park in Canada. Yellowstone National Park in Canada. I don't think Yellowstone extends into Canada. It's a national park. It wouldn't extend into Canada. It can't extend into Canada. Well, then evidently it does because he grew up on the Canadian Yellowstone. (laughs) Um, That was just a a great laugh moment. Um, Maybe that was just a bad translation, but... I highly doubt that's a bad translation issue. I I really... Because he is supposed to... I feel like there are characters that are supposed to be American in this film. And I think that he might be... He's supposed to be an American. Well, good thing you hired a Japanese guy to play an American 
FBI profiler tracker from Yellowstone, Canadian National Park. Well, I guess he's not American then, because he's Canadian, technically. Uh, Yeah, uh, Japanese-Canadian man. That's really weird. I don't understand him at all. Uh, Anyway, the ending. Oh, the ending. 99 years later. I got sort of sidetracked. Yeah, 99 years later. And now there's... Post-apocalyptic 99 years later. Yep, we see ruins of models. Um, Very like, like it is obviously yeah. miniatures, and uh, it, they they don't really even look like a city so much as just random buildings coated in dust, coated in miniatures dust and, that have been allowed to sit in a basement for a couple of years. Yeah, pretty much. And then on some trestle, I would have to say <laughs> trestle. I think that's the best way to use it to, to describe that. Um, you see, guy with, and they made a point of the bad guy has a sword and the good guy has a sword, and the bad guy's sword looks one way and the good guy's sword looks the other way and you happen to notice that there's this guy walking up to this trestle. You can't see his face. And you can't see his face but you see the sword and it's the bad guy's sword so you go, oh, it's the bad guy. And he walks up and then you see but you don't see his face and then you see the group of people who... A group of of general minions. General minions that I think, I think some of them were just the same character, the same people playing just new minions. And then there's the girl, the the all. She's there. Ninety nine years later. Ninety nine years later, she's there, and and now and it looks now, like the good guy. The good guy comes the up. Bad guy. The oh, good no. guy comes out, and he's like, "Oh, I should." There's nothing left to destroy here. Open the portal open. to the other side. Which, by the way, why are they trying to open the portal in an abandoned building? It doesn't make any sense. Well, maybe that's where the portal. The idea of all is? of this is that they know. that these two guys have been fighting for forever. No, no, no. Like, I think forever and ever, and that's what they are tasked to fight each other. All of their reincarnations yeah. fight at some point, and she's just sort of the girl who's caught in the middle. When you think about it that way, that's a really depressing storyline. It is a really depressing storyline. Trapped story in an endless cycle of fighting. Of fighting each other. Not so much depressing because they're endlessly fighting, but um, they can't figure out what they're fighting about because the script didn't tell them. Exactly. So they're just destined to fight for no reason. Something it's cryptic aimless. about... It, there's about, no... Yeah, forests of resurrection and... Well, and then not a forest anymore because trestle. It's a building. It's a trestle, yeah. For some reason, I just got the idea that this movie would have been much better if Joss Whedon had written it. It, it would have had Whedon-y characters. From it? it would have had characters. And I, that got, been I nice. got a distinctly Whedon-y vibe in, in retrospect, thinking about it. In terms of Whedon's ability to turn individual storylines and very personal storylines and turn them into epic tones. I think that we feel like this would be the sort yeah. of guy who would direct like a Japanese like ninja zombie movie. It just sort of strikes me like that's just the sort of thing he would consider doing one day. I and I would be all for that. And like the production values reminded me a lot of the less impressive villains on Buffy. Yeah. Like those those zombie minions at the end look very Buffy y. Yeah, I was thinking particularly Angel, because there's a lot of, like, just bad makeup makeup and and special effects suits and stuff, and it's it's pretty bad. Yeah. Just like this movie! Just like this movie! What?! Okay, we've been bashing the movie for, like, 20 minutes, but what did you actually like about this movie? Um, well, I mean, we didn't bash it all all together, because one of the things I liked was the cinematography. I think the cinematography on this film really did a good job. I mean, he... 
obviously had nothing to do with the script, but the cinematographer was like, well, I'll take shit and make it look really pretty. <laughs> and we liked uh, the Yakuza leader with, uh, the, Yakuza with the butterfly leader. knife. Um, it, it was written by Ryuhei Kitamura, the director, and Yudai Yamaguchi. I do not know who that second person is. This is the only movie I know that this guy's directed aside from Midnight Me Train, which I haven't seen. But we should probably do a follow-up to this podcast with by Midnight, watching... Midnight Meat Train. Midnight Meat Train. We should watch it just because the title was fun to say. It's, it is. We're going to watch Midnight Meat Train Midnight tonight. Midnight Meat Train. <laughs> There's just enough alliteration in it's, there to hook you. And it sounds pretty gay. I'm not going to Midnight lie. Meat Train? Midnight Meat Train. I was thinking like a horror movie, like The Train oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. is Full I of mean, Dead like, Bodies. I, I'm sure that that's what yeah, it is. Yeah, but it's a horror film based on Clive Barker's 1984 short story of the same name. I just feel like Meat Train... The film follows a photographer who attempts to track down a serial killer dubbed the Subway Butcher and discovers more than he bargained for under the city streets. <laughs> I love it when people discover more than they bargained for, as if to say that they were bargaining for less. I don't know. Like it, That's really weird that Ryuhei Kitamura would go and direct like this movie of, out of Clive, all things, a Clive Barker Clive adaptation, Barker. but... Whatever, whatever sure. floats your boat. Um, Are there any... One thing I didn't Brooke like... Shields is in Midnight Meat Train. Sorry, I just had <laughs> to And Roger Bart and Ted Raimi. What do you know? And Tony Curran. One thing that I did not like about Versus was the music. The music is so... So house music, almost. It's like... We're gonna be in a club all night long. Do 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 do. It was a lot of, it, like, it was almost yeah. It was with, almost with bad electric guitar samples, and when it was required to get like all strings and stuff and be lush and stuff, it sounded so synthesized. Oh yeah. The music I think failed on every level. The only place the music works is the place where there is no music. That no, there's one. There's, there, there's one very one, specific one scene. Very specific scene. You know what I'm talking where about? Where they the music just cuts cut out, out music yeah. and they start fighting. And all it is is the sound of them fighting, and you're like, "Wow, this is fucking good!" And then the mute, and then the they have to, no, no, they yeah. have to stop fighting, make like two lines of dialogue, I think, right? And then now we were really fighting because you can tell because the music comes back, and you're like, "Oh, oh is this?" And that was actually, again? I mean, for a while, that was one of the most impressive fight scenes in the movie. The sword, yeah, it, it made, I liked the sparks coming off of the sword. It was an impressive fight I mean, scene to begin with. Aesthetically, I'm not a huge fan of of all those um, whooshy handheld camera work sort of thing where yeah. the action scenes are shot so disjointedly you can't tell what's going on. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's sort of been a close up and shaky. Movie. And, yeah, you yeah. can't tell who's hitting who and where the swords are. It and makes they the are. fighting a whole lot easier to be believed because you don't have to show them the full fight. Yeah, but it's also a cheap way out because you can't. Yeah, you can't show the skill of any of the fighters involved. Exactly, and it's also just kind of disorienting. I I prefer, I would prefer a a, um, a stabler camera. Mm-hmm. And actors actually pulling their weight and learning how to do how to stage fight. combat, yeah. yeah. But you know that's just sort of a personal thing. And and as for shaky cam camera work, this wasn't a bad scene. No, and even even with the shaky cam, it's still you got to see what was going on. It shook a little, but it was still like you were seeing what was happening, and it worked. It worked very well. That was that was a that was a good scene was in a bad film. In a bad film. Um, and I, I would say several of these scenes would hold up if you took them just completely apart from what, from the movie itself. Several of these, of the uh, mostly just the fight scenes, but several of the scenes would hold up against other films of the same genre 
that were, I mean, like, epic, really good films, I think you could say. Or at least really good fight, fighting films. Yeah. Where to go from here? Is there anything else you want to talk about in regards to this movie? I don't know. I, it's... It's there's pretty, not enough to grasp onto. Like there's, there's not enough storyline. There's not enough. There's nothing. Anything. Yeah. There's, there's not just enough anything. Yeah. Several fight scenes tied together with magic and the barest threads of a plot. No exposition. No exposition. Yeah. That's pretty much the verdict. Versus a terrible movie, but occasionally you see it. it's <laughs> actually I found it kind of oddly entertaining, even though nothing happened and the plot and the fight scenes were oddly not invigorating. Right. I would say that it's something that would be a fine movie to go see, if or to, to watch if you had nothing better to do, had a friend, and wanted to yell at a movie. Like, I, yeah. It's, and it's, I it's, imagine the uh, substances would help with this movie. Right. But I, I will not elaborate on that, because I've never watched this movie anything other than sober, so. Right. Also, Coffee. Coffee would be yeah, good to have Yeah, you probably after. need a stimulant to, to pick yourself up from how drab this movie leaves you feeling. It's very, it's very, it's it's a downer, this movie. It's not. <laughs> it's not be that it's depressing. It's just, it's just you know, you, you expect more from a, 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 a gangster ninja zombie horror action movie. It just sounds just, so epic, you know. Just the, the, the microcosm of film that that is. The micro genre of, sorry, say it again. Ninja, ninja gangster, gangster zombie, zombie horror, action, horror film. action film. That micro genre sounds amazing. This movie, not so much. <laughs> uh, do you want to talk about briefly the flashbacks? We didn't really touch on them. The the flashbacks, which looked like they were filmed in the seventies, for some reason. Yeah. No, no particular reason. Just because. It just looked seventiesy. Yeah. Um, the colors in those were very 70s y. But the flashbacks, just very much like the flash forward, 99 years later, this was probably several hundreds or maybe even thousand years later. But the thing I that, I, that I was confused about was that it wasn't just the, the man, the prisoner, and the girl who were reincarnated back then. All of the ga- all of the original gangsters see, are back there too, and the, we don't see them ninety nine years later in the future. I think we do. I think that those I didn't are, recognize a single one. They they all had bald caps on and weird facial. Well, maybe things. it was them, but, but it I think it like may, I think at least one or two of them were the same people. I really do. But yeah, it may be the same. It I would say ostensibly it's the same group of people replaying the same event over and over, over and over and over, over again. It's just the movie opens with that flashback, and they go back periodically to show it. To explain the unexplainable, ridiculous storyline that has no real... It's not really explained, but it's just... No, it's just sort of there. So they're we, just they visiting have them it. fight in period garb. That's it. Which, by the way, the crazy Yakuza leader with the butterfly knife in his... In his... Samurai. Samurai garb is totally some... I was like, you are cute in this. I like you. <laughs> well, we that's because he's the best part of this movie. <laughs> he's the yeah. only good part of this movie, really. Yeah, the choreography's alright in spots, part. and the cinematography is quite stylish, but otherwise there's just not much for me to recommend this movie. Unless you want a bad movie to yell at with friends. Which is then, always fun. Then it's a great movie for that Popcorn purpose. to throw. You want popcorn to throw, I would say. Yeah. I mean, maybe you wouldn't be throwing popcorn. You'd rather be, like, sitting there in stunned silence going, what the throwing. fuck is going on? Slowly eating your popcorn. I'm going to eat this popcorn so that my brain has something to do. Process that I'm eating popcorn rather than processing the zero amount of story that's coming from the screen. Yeah. 
and was, also, it was a I failed know, attempt at humor. I don't know if it's possible. It probably isn't. But uh, if you could find a better translation or a worse translation than the one that we or found. Or dubbed. Or dubbed. I would dubbed love would to be, see this dub. Dubbed would be fantastic. Um, in any case, any of those options are there available to you if you can find them. And I would recommend finding another option than what we had. Because it was just bad enough. It, like, it was bad enough to... To not be, to be, to be noticeable, but not bad enough to be distracting, distracting or funny. Really, right. I, there was not a funny moment. We just got pissed off. That's another thing. This movie has no sense of humor. No, they have a comedian. They have someone that they try and make a, the the comic yeah, yeah element. the comic element. Yeah, he he just stumbles around with a bloody face and yells at things. And, and he eventually and gets silly. into the climactic battle with the cop. Mm-hmm. And he pulls and his the giant cop, I guess, gun out of the trunk. The cop is somewhat so. A, com- a comic element, but mo- mostly comic to us Americans because we know that Yellowstone is not in Canada. That is probably the best. But also the fact that like he puffs and postures the whole movie and then is taken out in like immediately, immediately yeah. as soon as he sees one of the major characters. So yeah, that's yeah, that's about it. Anything else? I I honestly can't think of anything else about this film. We, yep, that's we... versus for you. <laughs> oh. It's so it's it's amazingly bad, guys. It's amazingly bad. Yeah, when I first started this podcast, it was movies like Versus that I wanted to cover because they were bad. But now I'm glad that I cover better movies than I thought I would be covering because every once in a while you see a movie like this that is just so terrible that you're like, oh man, give me a good movie, please. Anyway, that's that. Uh, from 2000 and directed by Ryuhei Kitamura, that was Versus. You know, normally I don't actually say the year and director and title at the end of the episode, but setting I think a precedent it's, now. It's it's a good thing to do. Um, not looking forward to any potential American remake. N- and please don't. Please if don't remake it. If anyone's actually thinking about doing that, please don't. Dub this one and I'll watch it, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the original version, not the version yeah. that's 40 minutes longer. God. Well, uh, no, I mean, I don't know that... I don't even know that I would be able to watch the original version because it's so... It's got to oh, be so... It would so, make even less sense. It would make even yeah. less sense, so... Maybe it was a Cut translation out issue, three but... fight scenes that weren't useful. Yeah. And all of the posturing. That and did. all the stupid posturing. And, <laughs> and cut out the girl. Good yeah. That girl is just useless. And she has obnoxious teeth. Oh, her teeth. We didn't I mean, even talk about her teeth. She can't help the teeth, but... She can't help it, but... She should not be in front of a camera. She can help being in front of a camera. <laughs> yeah, she can go to see a dentist, I think. Um, anyway, you've been listening to Cinemantics, the podcast about movies good and bad. Mostly bad. Especially in this case. In, in this case, very bad. Very bad. Uh, I am Nick Melton. And I'm Greg Green. See you next time, everybody.